rewatch uh, No Way From Home. No Way Home. But okay, the problem, I don't want to hear any spoilers. I'm not going to spoil anything for you. Okay. I just want to say that I think I told you before, like the metric for me for what makes a good like piece of media mm-hmm. is if it like makes you feel something. For a second, I, I thought you said what makes a good piece of meat. Like oh, <laughs> a good piece of media should make you feel something. Yeah, right. Sure. And no way home does that for me. Like on every single level, I laughed, mm-hmm. I cried, I was scared. Not liking the like horror movie scared, but like scared like consequences scared. Mm-hmm. I was very sad, and disappointed. I was angry. At one point, I was angry, but not because of the movie. I was angry because the concession line was way too long, and I couldn't get popcorn. But I'm wrapping that up into the movie experience anyway so okay. but no way home is the like they've said this before in the interviews where it is like the spider-man equivalent of endgame and it completely is because there is so much like loose threads that are wrapped up and so much like payoff for like the entire not just spider-man like the tom holland but like the entire series from like 2002 like the sam raimi stuff like like a lot of of those villains, like from throughout the entire twenty years, like they do get like moments of like closure that they didn't really quite get in the original movies. That's a spoiler. That's not a spoiler because it's in the trailers. You see those characters. They're in the trailers. You well, see Doc Ock. You see Green Goblin. You see Sam. You see Electro. You see all those characters in the trailers. Okay. So it's not a spoiler, but their payoffs for like what happens in the movie makes up for like they're not so great you know, moments in past movies. So it's freaking awesome. Uh, by far, which is surprising. What is surprising is that even though we're technically still in a pandemic, it's had the second highest opening weekend of any movie of all time. Not just the pandemic, Johnny of all time. It's only behind Endgame in terms of opening weekend. Mm-hmm. So that is insane. It's like a 250 something million for just this opening weekend domestic only. That's wild. I think altogether, like worldwide right now, they're sitting at like a five hundred and thirty-eight million dollars, and it hasn't even been a full week yet. So I think I kind of, I might be a little crazy, but I think this ha- like projection-wise, this could end up surpassing Endgame. It could, like, just yeah, and not, not just like that. People were excited, and there were a lot of pre-sales, but now the word is out that the fucking film is amazing. Mm-hmm. Gonna get a whole highly, it's more yeah, it's really highly. Uh, it's reviewed extremely well. I think it was like a hundred percent certified on like Rotten Tomatoes or something. So, freaking amazing movie. If you have not seen... I don't, I don't know how you're going to avoid spoilers until you see it, Johnny. I don't know how you I'm can do try, that. I, like, I want to ask you questions, but I feel like everything is a spoiler. Like, I want to ask you, is there anything in the film where you feel like, I don't know, I don't like the direction this is going in for the future? There's only two... I'm not going to mention, say exactly what. There's two incidents in the movie where I was like, like, that didn't go the way I thought it would. Like, in a bad way, though. Like, like oh, like, what? Like, that doesn't make sense, but... For plotline? Yes. All right. But for the rest of the movie, it's it's just motivations, really. It's just villain motivations that don't quite like make sense to me. Mm-hmm. I'll just I'll just leave it at that. But like everything else in the movie completely makes up for that small little tiny complaint because it is just so so good. It's really dark. This movie's weird because it feels like three different movies put together. Where like stuff in the beginning feels like very lighthearted, and then it gets like dark, and then it kind of gets like lighthearted, dark towards the end. And, Okay. But anyways, the point is, Johnny, you need to watch No Way Home. I was looking online, and before I came over, I was like, maybe I can convince Johnny to go see it if like, I could find tickets. But like, all the seats, all the good seats like for the rest of the week are like gone. 
The only seats you can find are the ones where you're way up front and you're like breaking your back looking up. Well, it's going to be there for a while, so you probably don't want to see it like back to back like that. No, but oh my god, this is like the first time in a long time where I've seen a movie where I'm like, I want to see this again immediately. The last time I felt that way was for Endgame, and I was like, two years ago at this point? But anyways, what are you saying, Johnny? About to say I was going to say, I can't do that with any type of media. Like a book, a game. I can't just go back to back like that. Well, that's different because those experiences are more active and they take longer. Yeah, but even films. I just can't. Like, there's so like I got to see The Matrix. I've been waiting like 20 fucking years to see The the Matrix again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I wish I could do that. I need to watch those movies. I've never seen any of them. Are they available on any streaming service? I don't think. Who I owns Who owns The Matrix? You probably see them on Is it YouTube. Warner Brothers? I think so. Okay, then it should be on HBO Max then. Yeah, or YouTube has them a lot. A lot For free? Like the entire movies? No, no, no oh. oh, okay. I'll look into it because I want to be in on the zeitgeist too. But anyways, this is not a movie podcast. This is the Duo Sense podcast. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us. Uh, I was going to say every week, but we did. We took a break last week, not on purpose, but because I had a lot of stuff come up. Uh, it was stormy and I wasn't feeling well. Johnny wasn't feeling well. And we decided to kind of just like, uh, we'll just do it next week. So in case you didn't know, this is a weekly, supposed to be weekly video game podcast where we discuss video games and video game news. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Roscoe, joined by the badger of the high desert, the unnecessary one, the self-proclaimed lost cause, because he's always down for the cause, never down for the count, Johnny. Hey, guys. Why'd you cover your mouth when you said that, Johnny? Hey, hey guys. No reason. <laughs> Alright, Johnny. How you been, anyways? I haven't asked you. How have okay. you been? I've been alright. You've been cold? It's been pretty cold these last few weeks. A little bit. Yeah. Okay. I keep the heater on all you know what happened that was scary the other day was my roof. Uh, there was water leaking from the edge of my roof. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my god, what happened? Turns out the little tiny copper wire, little pipe that takes water from like the main line up to my swamp cooler on the on the roof, mm-hmm. it burst overnight. It froze or what? It froze and it burst. The pipe burst. Okay. And it's, it was like leaking water, so I had to turn off the water valve that leads to the swamp cooler. Uh-huh. So that kind of sucked. I have to replace it by the by summer so that I have a swamp cooler working next summer. How fast is a swamp cooler? What do you mean? How fast? How fast are they like effective when you like? From oh, from when you turn it on to like, like when you like, feel it. Yeah. Uh, probably about like five minutes. That's when I start feeling the cold air. Now, for it to fill up the entire house, yeah, probably like another ten minutes after that. That's not bad. I have my house isn't that big, so it's a little, it's a little smaller than yours. And then like the layout is not is very straightforward. Well, you've been there. You've been there. You see the layout's very like straightforward. It's not like. Mm-hmm crooked hallways and stuff there's no hallways actually it's just you know central living room hub and then rooms attached to it so the whole house is designed so that the swamp cooler is effective so anyways johnny we have several several things to talk about several things to make up for for the last two weeks that we've been out so this episode should come out let's see today we're recording the 20th it should be out tomorrow 21st and then next week, we're going to do our last episode of the year. It's going to be because around this time of the year, the game industry kind of takes like a break. Like there's no really that much reporting. Nothing really happens for the most part. 
So next week, our episode is going to be mostly a, a year, like, in review kind of recap stuff. Where we'll just talk about, like, what our favorite, our game of the years, our individual game of the years were and stuff like what we played and stuff. And what we're looking forward to in the coming new year. So we have some stories to make up for, so let's just dive into those, shall we? Our first story, Johnny, the one that you handpicked for first. This comes from CNET, written by Oscar Gonzalez. Former Sony PlayStation executive under investigation after appearing in pedo sting video. And ladies and gentlemen, that is not a typo. And yes, your ears, you heard that correctly. A Sony senior vice president who worked on... Did I say that right? Yeah. A Sony senior vice president who worked on the PlayStation Network was fired from his position after being caught in an amateur pedophilia sting video. San Diego police confirmed Thursday he is now under investigation. George Cassiopo, I hope I'm saying that right. George Cassiopo, Cassiopo, was allegedly trying to arrange a meeting with a person claiming to be a 15-year-old boy. According to a video posted December 3rd by the YouTube channel People vs. Preds, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Cassiopo had been a senior vice president of engineering at Sony for the past eight years, according to his LinkedIn profile. He has been fired after allegedly appearing in the video. We are aware of the situation and the employee in question has been terminated from employment, Sony said in an emailed statement Sunday. Cassiopo didn't respond to requests for comment submitted through his LinkedIn account. In the video, a cameraman is seen walking down the street at night toward a house. A person who appears, again for legal purposes, appears to be Cassiopo wearing a PS5 shirt, Johnny. Like, could you be any more blatant? Wearing a PS5 shirt is standing outside the house. The cameraman then speaks to Cassiopo, referring to him as Jeff. As the cameraman asks more questions, Cassiopo walks back into the house and closes the door while refusing to answer. The cameraman proceeds to start yelling that he will call the police. According to a Google Drive link posted in the YouTube video's description, Cassiopo allegedly spoke with a person who said he was 15 years old on Grindr the social networking app for gay, bi, trans, and queer people. The two exchanged pictures and discussed sex acts according to screenshots of the conversation. Cassiopo allegedly told a decoy that his name was Jeff and provided his address. Decoy said he would take an Uber to his location and Cassiopo was allegedly waiting outside. A spokesperson for the San Diego Police said Thursday its Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force is investigating the incident. People vs. Preds confirmed that the information was sent to the San Diego County District Attorney's Office. The DA's office says it has yet to receive the case from law enforcement. This isn't the first tech company employee that People vs. Preds claimed to have caught trying to meet a minor. In, in October, a man identified as Todd Wiseman allegedly set up a meeting with a 15-year-old on Grindr as well. Uh, and it kind of... Oh, this is the same one? According to his LinkedIn profile, Wiseman was a senior account manager and video. A spokesperson for the company said Wiseman doesn't work for the company but confirmed he used to be an employee. NVIDIA declined to comment on whether the video contributed to the end of his employment. And that's the end of that. Whole Wait, they part. were talking about the second guy? They talk, Yeah, the NVIDIA guy was kind of thrown in there at the end. Okay, cool. So, uh, Johnny, <laughs> I, I mean, like, how dumb could you be to, like, do that and then you still have, like, the PS5 shirt on? Like, That's wild. Right? Like, I don't know. This, the world is sick, man. This whole world is sick. Yeah, I mean, kind of the main takeaway 
I think is don't let your fucking kids on social media. Well, this wasn't a real kid, remember? No, I know, but fucking anywhere. Like, why the fuck are your kids on, like, Instagram and Facebook? They don't need any of that shit. Well, I don't know. I mean, there's students in my classes who are, like, elementary kids, and, like, they use social media to, like, communicate with each other, like, with their peers and stuff. So what? And, like, I was a kid, and I had social media. Like, it was, like... You had it? I did. Like, when I was in high school, I had MySpace and Facebook. Still a kid, technically, but... Yeah, I don't think I had it until I was out of high school. So that's easy for you to say. But, like, everything... Like, if you don't have social media, you're not, like, online with some kind of online presence, then, like, you're really missing out on a lot of, like, pop culture and things. All right, cool. But at the very least, you got to check up on your kids' social media. Absolutely, absolutely. I agree. Watch their fucking DMs. You should. You need to know their passwords. I agree. You should know, like, who your kids are talking to. And I get it's hard, especially today when you're like, busy with work, trying to just keep, you know, your family fed and the roof over their heads. But, like, every now and then just check in on them. Just touch base with them. See if they're doing okay and stuff like that. Like, I see kids, I've, my line of work, working as a substitute. Like, I can tell, like, the kids who are, like, who behave and who are, like, you can tell, like, they do have a strong bond with their families. And then those who are kind of, like, neglected. Because you can tell those are the ones that, like, act out or, like... You can tell there's something going on at home where they're not receiving the care that they need. Yeah. So, definitely checking on your kids and stuff. And but what do you think about this situation, Johnny? Like, I think the, there's the, barely any video game connection to the news other than just the job that the person has, like the Nvidia guy and the Sony exec. And I'm just thinking, like, have you guys never seen Dateline or seen like any of this stuff where like this is not gonna go well for you? Mm-hmm. Like, why do you have to prey yeah, on younger people? Too, that they would make an account and like the account is public like it's pretty easy to find mm-hmm. and they still make the fucking account yeah and their asses get caught and they don't think like huh like maybe this could be a sting or maybe this could be like i don't know i just think like how dumb can you be to still fall for stuff like in this age of where like everything gets recorded everything is like you know accounted for yeah and then you see the guy like he has a good job you see his house that's a nice house like, nice he's area gonna lose a lot of shit because of his nasty ass behavior. Mm-hmm. But to think like, hmm, maybe I'm putting all this shit on the line. Or at least like if you're going to do that, like why not make sure like that are at least, you know, 18 of age? Like why does that have to be a kid? Maybe because yeah. they're a little too smart and they see like, this nasty ass guy and they're like, fuck that. Maybe. I don't know. But anyways, in besides in, enough of dealing with pedophilia and all that stuff, let's... Let's talk about a different type of ill of society, Johnny. Let's talk about bullies. Bully 2, that is. Mm. You like that, don't you? You know you do. You you like that transition. What do we got? All right, hold on. The page is still loading. (laughs) This article comes from VGC, or as you guys might know as Video Games Chronicle. Written by Chris Skolian. Bully 2 is back in development, it's claimed. The Rockstar sequel reportedly planned for a Game Awards reveal. Industry insider Tom Henderson stated on Twitter on Monday that he was aware of people being shown a playable version of the game. Quote, Bully 2 was expected as a potential surprise reveal at the Game Awards last week, after some people have been shown some material alluding to a reveal soon, he explained. Information is a bit blurry at the moment, and I have to be quite vague here, but if I hear more, I will report on it. 
He later added, quote, Some people saw a playable version just a couple of weeks prior to the Game Awards, not the canned version. Quote, like I said, information is blurry at the moment, but I thought it was worth reporting on as there's something definitely going on to do with the series. Henderson's tweet was seemingly corroborated by Game Informer's associate editor Blake Hester, who tweeted the bully logo and the message, New story coming to you soon. Two here being like the number two. However, Hester has since protected his Twitter account, and his colleague, Game Informer video editor Alex Van Aken, has claimed that it isn't a reference to Bully 2. BGC reported in 2019 that a sequel to Bully was in development in the early 2010s, but fizzled out after 18 months of development. Rockstar co-founder Dan Hauser and a handful of his most trusted developers wrote a script for Bully 2 as early as 2008, which contained the first few scenes and an outline of the rest of the story, according to sources with knowledge of development. The story starred Jimmy, hero of the first game, and featured many returning characters. It began at Jimmy's stepdad's house in the summer at the end of a school year, a source told us. A second well-placed source told BGC the team never decided where the full story would take Jimmy, and that depicting some of his time back in education, perhaps at school or college, was one option being discussed. And then it kind of just, from there, it kind of talks more about, like, the story and the game and stuff, but, like, nothing else about its, like, release. Um, so, Johnny... I didn't get to. Play, I did not play Bully back in its day when it came out. I did play Bully when they did the re-release, the special HD release on PS3, and even then, I never actually completely finished the game. I got like maybe halfway before I lost interest. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that would have been cool if they had done that during the Game Awards because you and I talked about how like there was a lot of announcements, but none of them were like banger announcements aside from like Sonic and Star Wars. Yeah. So, what about you, John? What do you think about this possible Bully 2 uh, reveal? Well, the first question is, who's going to make this, right? It would be Rockstar. Directly? Their studios? Well, they have a lot of, like, smaller studios under them, I guess. Well, I'm asking because of the botched release of, like, the remakes, or the the remasters. I wonder if they made it, and then maybe that's the reason we didn't see it, because we saw the backlash for Grand Theft Auto, and they're like, oh, fuck, we can't show this at the Game Awards. No, well, to be fair, Grand Theft Auto was done by, like, a mobile, smaller-tier studio, uh, Grove Street Games, which is, like, nowhere near, like, the main their main, like, big internal studios. But they have done a lot of work for Grand Theft Auto. I forgot the other games that they have done, but they've been with, with Rockstar for a long time. So for fair them enough. to put out that trashy shit seemed very inconsistent with their previous work. I feel like if they had something good to show, like now would be the time to show it to kind of like wash that bad taste out of people, out of like consumers' mouths about Rockstar. That's a good point. Like if you had like a bad showing, I could see your way too. We're like, let's just keep our heads low for a while. I could see it going either way, honestly. Yeah. Like either A, let's show them like that we still mean quality and that we still have like big stuff to show, or B, let's lay low for a while and wait for like the bad reputation to yeah, like wash. It's nothing away. in the middle. It's just like one or the other. It's either really good or really bad. Yeah. I agree with you. Um, but yeah, I'm not really excited for Bully. I did play Bully, but it was it's not memorable. It's basically like a kid's version of GTA, where you're just running around doing missions and stuff, but like without the blood. Like you beat the crap out of other students and stuff like that. Like Yeah, what well, would be cool though if it was maybe in high school or college and we see these different factions, like we see the greasers and the 
pucks. And... Uh, Bully One did that with like the sports teams, didn't it? I think. Yeah, but with a more mature tone now that you're in high school. Was it that high school? Was it? I don't remember. Or maybe it was middle school. I thought it was middle. Bullworth Academy. I think it was a middle school. I'm trying to remember. That was the name of the school at Bullworth Academy. I think it was. A, you're right. It might have been middle school. I I haven't played it in like almost a decade, so I don't really remember very well. But Bully would be interesting to, for it to come back. I just think with uh, people demanding GTA 6 and with Red. It seems like Red Dead and GTA are like the main. I barely even care about Grand Theft Auto 6 at this point. Like the way they milked 5. I'm fucking tired of Grand Theft Auto right now. What I do want to see is something like, uh, uh, what what's it called? Fucking dub, like the dub with the Midnight Club. Mm, Midnight Club. Yeah, I miss I Midnight Club. That. Yeah, that'd be dope. I miss Midnight Club. But yeah, I don't see that. I don't see like Rockstar North like proper like the main like development studio doing uh, another bully game at least not with GTA Six still cooking unless also, they also also Manhunter. Manhunt. Manhunt. Yeah, that game is. Fucking nuts. I've never played Manhunt. It's good. The first or the second one. So what else we got? Alright, let's move on. Uh we're going over to an article that I actually wrote for once. Uh for listeners you might forget, but I do sometimes write about video games in my spare time. Uh this story is written by me, uh, for geeknewsnow.net, which is the website I volunteer write for. Uh, it's a story that I kind of researched and stuff and found other uh, links about why some gamers are boycotting Star Wars Eclipse. So here, it feels weird reading something I wrote, but I'll go ahead. Some exposition on Quantic Dream. Quantic Dream, the studio behind the newly announced game Star Wars Eclipse, has a questionable reputation among gamers. For those who are not in the know, Quantic Dream is a French video game development studio that has a troubling history under its very controversial CEO, David Cage. Cage has been accused of fostering a toxic work culture at the studio by former game developers for quite a while now. Back in May of this year, Cage and his co-CEO, Guillaume de Fondomir, appeared in a Paris court to address what they allegedly believed to be defamation about their studio's work culture. As reported by Fanbyte, quote, Cage was allegedly stamping around in tears, exclaiming, You are interfering in my business, and this case touches my honor before leaving the court, fleeing the pleas of defense lawyers. This came across as ironic to those present, given that he has allegedly publicly stated sentences like, in my games, all women are whores, and at Quantic Dream, we do not make games for fags, end quote. At the same court trial, Guillaume de Fontomir reportedly looked at the judges and asked, but I'm not under oath, so I can lie, right? As reported by Kotaku, not exactly a great look for the heads of Quantic Dream. All of this pales in comparison to the almost legal trouble the studio avoided under Cage. Back in 2014, it was discovered in the programming code of Beyond Two Souls, a game that featured the voice talent and likeness of Elliot Page, that there existed an in-game nude character model of Page. While it's not accessible through normal means, it is found in the game's data. Page briefly considered legal action, but chose not to follow through. This is all to say that Cage's name carries a lot of baggage in many gamers' eyes. The reaction to Star Wars Eclipse reveal. Since the reveal of Eclipse last week, so hey, I wrote this last week, so two weeks ago now. Since the reveal of Eclipse last week, the internet has had time to discuss and form opinions about the game's developer. And it's not all great. The hashtag Blackout Star Wars Eclipse 
has been making the rounds on Twitter and has been steadily growing. Here's a tweet that blasts Lucasfilm LTD, or LFL, for working with Quantic Dream. So then this is the actual tweet from some, from like a Star Wars podcast. It says, It's very disheartening to see LFL, again, Lucasfilm Limited, only pay lip service to representation through cynical corporate ways and relegate it to publishing. For mass media, video games, shows, and movies, LFL chooses to muffle, silence, or straight-up ignore minority voices. Hashtag Blackout Star Wars Eclipse. And then their quote tweet another podcast, uh, another Star Wars podcast. It says, quote, we're one day closer to Star Wars Eclipse. We're also one day closer to homophobia being acceptable in the High Republic. Hashtag Blackout Star Wars Eclipse. This is only just but one example of the tweets associated with the hashtag, with many quite upset about Quantic Dream being associated in any way with the galaxy far, far away. The bulk of the Irish seems to be aimed at David Cage's alleged homophobic views, with other tweets saying things like, quote, It's about not letting bigotry, misogyny, and homophobic behavior go unchallenged. It's about calling for studios to do better and collaborating with companies with standards of inclusivity. It's about standing together. Uh, quote by Roberto Venegas, again, hashtag Blackout Star Wars Eclipse. We often hear about there is no such thing as ethical consumption under capitalism, but it seems like that isn't stopping a few Star Wars fans from exercise, exercising their purchasing power. It is quite difficult being an ethical consumer these days. It seems like every day there is some report about popular franchises being tied to controversial personalities, such as the controversy surrounding the Harry Potter game with J.K. Rowling. Ultimately, it is up to you to decide what is and isn't a moral imperative. In the words of old Obi-Wise Kenobi, old wise Obi-Wan Kenobi, you must do what you feel is right, of course. And then I kind of talk about, then I do the, the self-promotion stuff. That's not a part of, part of the article. Go for it. <sighs> okay. For more news, reviews, opinion, opinions, and general geek coverage, uh, you can uh, subscribe or follow geeknewsnow.com. Uh, I'm sorry, .net. And I do the plug for my own Twitter and stuff like that. And for this podcast also, which you guys are already listening to. So I don't have to do that again. All right. Now that's out of the way. Johnny, what do you think? What do you, what is your impression? Um, Cause like, like I mentioned at the end, like people, we all say that phrase, uh, there is no ethical consumption. Like everything you buy from in some way is yeah. tied to some, like it's no man is an island. Like everything is linked to something else. So it's like it's really up to you to decide what is and isn't worth like standing like you know die on a hill for. Yeah, you do have to choose some battles. It's weird. Like, like when people this try story, to... this story is like so loaded, you can go in so many tangents. And then there's like personally how I feel, and I'm kind of mixed about it. Mm-hmm. Uh like when you say ethical consumption, right? Uh there's a lot of people that are like about global warming, right? Right. And they're like, well, you got to buy a fucking electric, right? Right. So you got to get an electric car. Right. But if you want an electric car, you need batteries. And the batteries need a lot of stuff like cobalt, right? Mm-hmm. And where do you get the cobalt? Like, like, you get it from fucking, what is it? The Congo? Conflict material. Slave labor? Yeah. Yeah. So does that mean you're for slavery, right? Of course not. Some weird fucking questions you right. got to ask yourself. So, or like, just like when we talk about like how you talk about like, oh, like we're not buying like stuff from Tencent, but like our everyday stuff is like made in China anyways. Like yeah. Paper I still towels. Tell, like if, like, I don't like fucking Amazon, but there's only things I can find that are Amazon that I, I need or that are maybe more inexpensive. But mm-hmm. 
I still try to figure out like did this shit come from China or did it come from Japan or Indonesia or Vietnam or right. like where where was it made? Right? Or like some gamers who like I've talked to people who they don't want to buy the Harry Potter game because they're gonna be you know basically putting pocket their money into the pockets of J.K. Rowling who is mm-hmm. like you know considered she's a I forget the British term for it but uh, turf is that that's the word right turf trans exclusionary radical feminist s so that that right yeah. and so some of them have kind of like well like I still want to play the game so I'm just gonna buy a used copy where the money's not gonna go to her right so like there is yeah. ways of like circumventing like the official channels of like directly monetarily funding things you're not there in conflict with your like ideas and stuff Mm -hmm. like yeah like there's an ideological battle of course with like disney and people are like i'm not gonna fucking see spider-man because i'm not gonna fund them but they're like but i'll fucking bootleg that shit right because it looks amazing right? right right so yeah there's ways around it but not all the time it's it's really tough being picking, a consumer pick, nowadays and picking your battles trampling your your ethics yeah you're right it is tough um but as far as the story goes um you said yeah there were a little bit of like woke elements which yeah i kind of agree but also it does seem very warranted because he says a lot of shit like uh no facts we don't make games for facts yeah if he said that like okay i don't support that shit right 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 uh but but like like, i don't like the guy but it looks like he's gonna make a fucking amazing game and he and we do know like there's a tweet that went out i think um i forget if it was a quantic dreamer from lucas but saying like oh yeah he's involved in like the story making of the of the game like he's involved directly with the the game story (laughs) and it's like you know it's gonna be a fire game like it's gonna be great like the trailer and everything is gonna be great and it's just a question of like do you like not buy the game and then the rest of the studio kind of has to like deal with the repercussions of one person. Yeah. Even though, but then again, that one person is like the voice of like the developer. So it's like, like it's oh my god, it's really tough. It's hard. How do you like justify? Yeah, but is all that gonna translate into the game? Because there's like, uh, what what the fuck was it? Um, oh, like does is all this horribleness gonna be like re- reflected in the writing for the game? Is what you're saying? Yeah, because there's been people. Uh, I forgot the damn. Like, there's a girl. She's fucking woke, right? There is a quote from him. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. There is a quote from him because again, this is out allegedly. Like the court case that it's citing. Like, I think eventually he was found like innocent of it or whatever. Okay. And he says like, he, there's a quote from Cage where he says like. If you want to question like my homo, like my views on like homo, like uh, like homophobic like topics, like I worked with like Elliot Cage, which is who's trans. Mm-hmm. It's like if you want to question my um, my what was it something about the the other allegation, not homophobia, but the other one about uh, like racism, like like our team is like super like we had Jesse Williams as like the or Jesse Smollett I'm sorry Jesse Williams I forget which which Jesse it is but he's like the main character in Detroit become human basically okay so he's like saying like judge me by the company I keep then if you're going to I mean like I'm not like that I'm such a horrible person or whatever because again these are allegations it's not yeah. like 100% proven so like cuz he this the sources that said like he was doing all this stuff are develop ex developers and then also like the French media, I guess. Okay. So, but then again, it's like hard to prove that he didn't, you know. I don't know how French court of law works with like innocent until proven guilty, but like 
in America, it was like, you know, innocent till proven guilty. So, yeah. again, these are alleg- allegations. But I'm also the mind that where there's smoke, there's fire. So, yeah, but like that could just be me, though. There has been writers that are woke that work on a fucking game. And I don't like the writer. And then I play the game and I'm like, I love the storyline. Like none of what they talk about on their Twitter and shit is in mm-hmm. the game. So, you know what I'm saying? They just didn't translate yeah. and they still created a dope story. So, like The Last of Us Part 2 is what you're saying, John. Uh, <laughs> sort of. He's like, uh, <laughs> so, no, but then, no, that didn't necessarily. It, yeah, it did translate some of it, but it it just had to do with more like flashbacks and shit like that. Fuck, Andrew, you just opened up a can of some shit. I don't, I don't know. Rick, I don't want to talk about that game. No, let's not talk about the Last of Us right now. <laughs> All right, Johnny. All right, that's enough of that. Um. Yeah, I mean, I really want to. I, I but still. Like, are you in the middle or like? Do yeah, you... I I am in the middle. I I definitely feel conflicted. I want to play this game, but I also don't want to like directly support Quantic Dream either. I think if anything, I probably will just buy this game used. I don't think it's a game that I'm gonna buy like right away. Um, it's hard, man. It's hard. It's hard to kind of. It's like the thing with Harry Potter. I'm not a big Harry Potter fan, but I know people. I know people who are like either like they're part of the LGBT community who mm-hmm. do want to play who plan on getting the game even though like it is indirect conflict with like their own kind of views because like Harry Potter means so much to them that it's hard for them to like separate or it's hard for them to separate you know JK Rowling or, I'm sorry not hard to separate it's hard to um what's that uh, cognitive dissonance okay they have like that view where like like yeah she's a terrible person but I really want to play the game like I know people like personal people that I know personally who like one of them is actually a writer for one, like a big for a big outlet and she's like like she told me like I'm not gonna say names but she told me like she's like yeah I know that it's supporting G.K. Rowling is like awful she's like but Harry Potter means like so much to me so I'm just gonna do it anyway I'm just gonna bite the bullet and play the game anyways so it's like yeah you can i think you can exist with cognitive dissonance where you can hold to opposing viewpoints and like support or not support them simultaneously people are human beings are complicated creatures you know so like i remember a while back where like chris brown like not related to gaming but chris brown like people hate like when he did that to rihanna and stuff oh that's right and then people are kind of like they kind of just forgot like oh yeah, yeah we forgot chris brown's actually a really horrible person but because rihanna's like oh no like he like we're good now like okay or like mike tyson like he he's a convicted rapist mm-hmm. and people kind of just forgot about it because you know mike tyson like come on like, how are you gonna hate on mike like, you know what i mean so tupac had rape charges i don't know anything about that yeah he had rape charges and but he's like yeah, remembered he so fondly that. as like oh man like he was like the best rapper and like you know like i might have it wrong but i think tupac had rape charges and he got convicted for it and he was in jail and then because he was in jail he did the contract with that throw or like through, like through fucking jail oh okay that makes sense that's very fitting death row actually <laughs> i might have it wrong but I, okay go ahead but there's people who are like convicted killers who like we support like like uh okay well oj was never convicted but like there's like oj has like social media and people like follow him for like you know like for his takes on stuff and it's like you guys forgot he killed his wife and you're kind of just like oh but it's oj you know what i mean like yeah it seems like people would pick and choose what is acceptable as a society and then what is not acceptable as a society even if like the things are the same like you know the same the repercussions or like the crimes are the same 
I guess some things are just more forgivable. It depends on how big your level of fame or cool personality is. Yeah, and I, I think it also depends on what kind of battle you're fighting. Like today, we're fighting a heavier ideological battle versus like OJ. It's just kind of like a one-off thing. You yeah. Know? Ultimately, it's like how I said at the end of the, I finished my piece with like, it's up to you to decide what is and what you will tolerate and what you won't tolerate on an individual level. So personally, I really want to play the game, but I'm going to do my best to just get a used copy from GameStop. Dude, but I will say about the game, this looks like the Star Wars game I want to play out of like all the shit that I've seen, even like uh, the one from EA. Mm -hmm. This looks so much fucking more intense. Like the story looks like it's going to be on point. Plus they're saying they're going heavy on action. That sounds amazing. Which is weird because I, I, we've talked about this so many times, but I'm still gonna beat the, the I'm gonna beat the dead horse. How is Quantic Dream gonna do an action heavy game when they're only known for like very? They'll figure it out. I mean, Guerrilla Games was one of a first person shooter, and then they did Horizon. They'll just figure it out. I guess those are two different. Yeah, because they did Kill Zone, right? They mm -hmm. did Kill Zone games, and then they just pivoted to Horizon. Like how? So you make a good point, with Johnny. You make a good point. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's up for you to decide what you will and will not directly support. If you're going to say, hey, don't support, you know, big companies, and then you're out here buying Starbucks and Apple products, like, I don't know. Pick and choose, guys. It's up to you. I'm not your I'm not your parent. <laughs> Pick and choose. So, excuse me. Had a burp. Moving on. Johnny, let's move on to our next story. We're halfway through these. Halfway through. This one comes from us directly from Kotaku, written by Luke Plunkett who I believe writes like almost half of the Kotaku articles I read. So many quit that they're calling it, quote, the Great Exodus. Quote, Johnny, do you know what the original Great Exodus is? The, the original use of that term? Um, I don't really know it. Very close. Moses, Johnny. Moses. Damn it. Yeah, yeah, my bad. You were close. I the, knew that. The Exodus from Egypt. Yes. So I guess know. they're saying Ubisoft is like the Pharaoh or the Egyptians or something. Okay. <laughs> And there's like one Ubisoft employee is like, let my let my co-workers go. <laughs> Let's get into the story. A report on Axios says that over the past 18 months, so many Ubisoft employees have left the company that those remaining have begun to call it, quote, the Great Exodus, quote, and, quote, the cut artery, end quote. That sounds that sounds way more graphic. The story says that over that time period, which coincides with both a global pandemic and a trend that's become known as the Great Resignation, so many developers and staffers have quit that, quote, the departures have stalled or even slowed down projects, end quote. A look at LinkedIn departure statistics, which aren't a perfect metric but are certainly useful, show that Ubisoft's annual attrition rate is at 12% among its 20,000 strong workforce which is significantly higher than competitors like EA, 9%, and Epic, 7%. That said, one company's rate was even higher. <laughs> Activision Blizzard at 16%. I wonder why that could be. And that's not me being cute. That's what it says in the article. I wonder why that could be. There are multiple reasons for the departures. A significant one is simply the realities of the workforce situation in Montreal, where the company has a large presence and where, quote, Attrition at Ubisoft's main studio doubled for a time, end quote. Fierce competition from rivals and startups mean Ubisoft's workers can make more money elsewhere. Though to combat this, Ubisoft recently announced pay raises for its Canadian employees, which in turn, quote, frustrated developers in other studios who wonder when they're getting raises too, end quote. 
The company's horrific track record with abuse allegations and other PR disasters, like its dabbling with NFTs, have also played a part, with one former employee telling Axios, quote, The company's reputation was too much to bear. It's legitimately embarrassing, end quote. For a more practical example of how this is affecting the company's series and games, quote, at least five of the top 25 credited people from Far Cry 6, which was only released in October, have already left Ubisoft, and 12 from 50 of those from 2020's Assassin's Creed Valhalla have also departed. Oh, and to close this out, one developer recently said a colleague currently at Ubisoft contacted them to solve an issue with a game because no one was still there who knew the system. End quote. That's the end of the article, Johnny. That's crazy. Can you imagine that? Like, you leave your work, and it's like, oh, shoot, you were the only one who knew how to do this. Like, no one here who still works here knows how to do this. Like, can you help us out? I'd be like, hire me back at double, and I will do it. That's what I would have done. Use that bargaining leverage. That's crazy. Um, Like the article mentions, though, this isn't, like, something that's uniquely Ubisoft or even uniquely video games related. A lot of companies, like in different labor markets are like hemorrhaging workers because a lot of people now like it seems like the tables have turned in favor of like employees against their bosses where i know some of it's kind of like this general kind of uh since the pandemic started a lot of people are being like like they found out which companies are the ones that care about you and which ones don't care about you and this whole sense idea of like if i'm gonna work for something and you're not letting me do like work like remote like i don't want to work for you anymore and a lot of these because of like the social net safety nets and net and programs of like unemployment and all this stuff. It seems like a lot of people are now people who were on the verge of leaving finally just decided like, you know what? Screw it. Like I'm out. So Johnny, as uh someone who's worked in the private sector and stuff, what do you think about this? Do you think is it okay? It's a two pro two prong question. One, what do you think about it from the Ubisoft point of view? And then and with like all the controversy that they've had in the last few years. And then the other prong, like, what do you think about as a society at North America or United States? No, because this isn't Canada. Worldwide, what do you think about people? Now we have this great kind of like, like, like people are taking back their free time in a way, like, or like they want, they I don't want. Know if it's necessarily just that, like, that's one fact where the people are like realizing, like, you know what? I'm worth more. I can go to another company or I could just take time off, mm-hmm. spend more time with my family. There's just so many fucking factors. It's just a fucking domino effect. I don't know what one thing is like driving it necessarily. Well, like you listen to like a lot of like podcasts and news and like articles and stuff. Like what have you read or is there any data that you know of? Like I'm asking you to cite like word for word, but like what is the general world trend towards like employees and their outlook compared to like their jobs and stuff like in the last two years or so? I'm not sure, dude. Like, what do you think? Part of it, I think, is I think the pandemic in a way kind of like shook people in a way where it's like, hey, like none of the bull crap you deal with on a daily basis actually matters because like overnight the world can change. If you're not doing what you love or you're not doing something that you think is meaningful, then like, why are you doing it? I think that's kind of part of it. I feel a lot of people. I, I can also go. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I feel like a lot of people who I like. For example, one of our cousins, I'm not going to say name, somebody we mentioned before, is like, hey, like, I went to school for this particular, like, job that I have, and, like, they're kind of, like, screwing me over. They're not paying me what I'm worth. My, my skills are, like, worth this and that. And, like, they've already kind of, like, 
They're making us use our forced PTO for the holidays, even though we don't want to. Like all this stuff that's going on. He's like, I'm gonna shop around and like I know I'm worth more. And like, so that's one example of like somebody I know. But I've heard like I've read, I've listened to podcasts of people saying like the pandemic was like a great like eye opening like reality for people to realize that if you're not like directly doing what you love and then like if your company's not willing to work with you we're like i, I can do this job remotely and the job's like no we want you back in the office because we have to justify the cost of like this office building or this warehouse and it's something that like well over the course of the pandemic like i was doing a job remotely and like my productivity my productiveness what's the word I'm looking productivity yeah is like higher even though remote and you like, you want to bring us back where our predict our productivity will be even lower. Like this is dumb. And if you're not going to work with me, then I'm just going to go look for something else. Cause now I've ha- I've tasted what freedom is almost in a way. And I'm not going back to the old order of things. That's how I see it. Sort of, yeah. Now for the Ubisoft situation, because yeah, the whole, they're not, I, <laughs> I, I find it funny how the article mentions that the only other studio that's worse than Ubisoft at retention rate is, Activision Blizzard and obviously for obvious reasons why it's like a social nightmare over there mm-hmm. I find it funny how like a lot of the companies that people complain about EA Activision Ubisoft these are all the ones that have this major like employee issue where like you're kind of just like a cog and then like yeah. if your studio is like not doing great and like the stuff like it talks about like the PR nightmares around the NFT stuff around the the story we'll get to it later about like how they're announcing like Splinter Cell, but it's not gonna be like a full game. Well, that's not that important, I guess. But I can understand the general sense of malaise where like like your work that you're doing, like there's other companies that are popping up, like people who left to pursue their own dreams, like, hey, like I worked with you and like I know the working conditions, like let me offer you something better where you have more of a voice, where you have better benefits. Where you will be more of a contributing like member of a team than you are with as a cog of a machine that's so bloated, right? That's what it seems like because there is a lot of companies like over the past year we've been talking about like like remember no um that's no moon like other studios we mentioned have been popping up here and there in the last year because mm-hmm. their other main companies are like hemorrhaging employees and developers, and so I'm just thinking like. This is, again, this could be me, maybe I'm like overstating it or exaggerating, but I feel like the pandemic did rattle people's cages. Like, if you're not doing what you want to do for a company that does not value you as a contributing member, then why do it at all? Sort of, but I, okay, I feel like a lot of that is, I don't know if this is the right word, but a little idealistic. yeah that's what i'm saying i'm not sure if i'm exaggerating that's why because it might be a little idealistic yeah because that's like that sounds like a headline right there like it's because people value themselves and etc right like i the mind driver okay does seem to be like the pandemic right and the pandemic kind of showed you things like um if you had to go work for a company and you're you're doing all the fucking work and then you realize like fuck like these people are letting me go or they're putting me on furlough or whatever and you have all this free time and then you realize, wait a minute, uh, I'm kind of at home. Maybe I could just start a company and be independent and do the same work that I used to do for them. Mm-hmm. And I have to drive back and forth like 40 miles. Not necessarily idealistic. It's just like you have the skill set and you decide to do it on your own. And that's it. Like you just realized you're better off by yourself. Right. It could just do be as simple as that. Or it could be like maybe if you're at uh, one of these studios, let's just say you're fucking nurse. Right. Uh, 
you're a nurse, they tell you to work. This this is gonna get fucking political, but you're a nurse, they tell you to work through the fucking pandemic, and then there's people that decide, hey, I'm not gonna get the vax, and these are nurses, a lot of them, right? Yeah. So a lot of them are pushed out. Right. Right. So then the nurses that did decide to take the vax, and did decide that they were gonna stay with that job. At some point, they're being fucking crushed because they don't have any help from the other nurses. And they're basically on a skeleton crew, yeah. Yeah, and now these nurses that are alone in these hospitals are like, I can't fucking take this shit. I'm this isn't what many, I signed up for. I'm seeing too many fucking patients. Mm-hmm. Like, I have no backup. I'm I'm up at all, at all these crazy-ass hours, these crazy-ass shifts. And they just said, I'm fucking done with this. Like, I, fuck, I resign. I'm done. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't their intent because they had a good job. They were going to stick around, but they just couldn't take the workload. Right. So like, that's not idealistic. It's just no. You're right. Because that's draw the cards. yeah. Because that's that was exactly my situation a few months ago. Where like, as a subject teacher, like I'm supposed to only have like one class a day, and the next day I'm gonna have a different class or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But we had such a huge teacher shortage because they were doing the mandated vaccines and stuff, and like teachers were either like a like I don't want to come back into education, or b I have someone at home who is immunocompromised and i don't want to deal with kids directly mm-hmm. or any other given reason right and so because there was a shortage they made me take over one class for like the entire like month or so and i had to that means i had to be i had to talk to the parents i had to like monitor the kids grades i had to come up with lesson plans i had to do all the stuff that a normal sub does not have to do and i was like if it wasn't for the fact that i had to like pay for like i'm like the head of my own household like i have to pay for like my rent and space and utilities if it wasn't for that i would have quit because i'm like this isn't what i signed up for i wanted to be a regular sub i didn't want to be like a teacher's having teacher's responsibilities with a sub substitute pay yeah and that's what my situation was and i was like like luckily i talked to my principal and i was like hey like this is a little too much stress he's like okay like don't worry like we're gonna get somebody to replace you soon and hey, like, you know, some of the responsibilities you have, don't worry about those. We're going to like offload those uh, and we're going to like spread it out amongst like the office staff, which they ended up doing for me, which I was very grateful for. Because like once I decided to speak up and say, hey, like this is a lot of work, the stuff you're making me do and I'm not getting paid any more than usual. Like, like this is like too much. It's like I, I don't even have my weekend to myself because I do like plan lessons for the week that comes up. Mm-hmm. And then when I spoke out, they're like, OK. We're like, don't worry about the lesson plan stuff. Like, here's a template. Just submit this template. Like, this is what you're gonna do, or whatever. And like, we'll have you alternate with another sub, so you're you're not so stressed out. So, like, thank God that they actually like my principal. She's like one of the best, like, principals in the district. Like, people have said like from other schools, like, oh yeah, like you know, I'm not gonna say her name, but like, oh yeah, like she's great. She's like the one of the best ones I've worked with. So I get, yeah, I under, I completely understand the whole like if you have like if you had the mobility, especially when they were doing like the when they were giving out money and stuff for like unemployment and stuff, that would have been the moment to make moves because you do have a little social net security, a little bit, at least that would have been the perfect time to be like, cause how many of us during the pandemic were like at the height of the pandemic, we're like, we got nothing to do now. Cause no one's working. And it's like, that's the moment where you're at your most creative, where you have the free time to start like that, you know, that next big startup or something. So I think you're right. I think you are right about that. Like, here's another one. Uh, California, like because of the mandates, because of the lockdowns, a lot of people's businesses are failing. Um, a lot of people decide I'm just fucking leaving California. Like the, fir- for, I think it's for like the first time in decades, California has had a loss in population, like a net loss, right? Mm-hmm. So people are moving to Tennessee, Texas, Florida. So 
that's a lot of business people just getting the fuck out, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people below them just completely losing their jobs. And not just for that reason, Johnny. Not just because of that, but like talking to one of my cousins, Ruben, like he gets he has a fixed income that he gets from the government for his work. Mm-hmm. And he was telling us, like he was telling Brian and I, he's like, I'm going to move to another state that has like a lower cost of living because I want to get paid the same amount of work no matter where I go. I might as well go wherever that mu- that dollar stretches further. Yeah, for sure. And like with the real estate being so high, if you own property here, you take that money and buy buy somewhere else, mm-hmm. like in the middle of the country. I, that's not a bad bad decision, dude. Yeah, but bringing it back, bringing it back on topic. Um, yeah, I, the startups of other smaller comp- other developer game studios and. Uh, kind of uh, a very tone-deaf, old-school way of doing business with these big companies like Ubisoft and Activision, where, like, right now, like, just because traditionally the big companies have always had power over the employees, it, it, we're starting to see it shift now. We're starting to see that power relationship shift now. And if you can't hold on to your, like, employees, you can't... Now, they did... The article did mention, like, oh, like, they raised the... They gave pay raises, but only to the... the only to their employees that work at like the hq basically in canada meaning the branches of ubisoft outside of there like they're not seeing those pay raises so that might even further fuel like dissent or like okay those guys are getting pay raises but not us like i'm gonna go where i'm more valued so that might have actually just kind of like increase the you know the likelihood of people like leaving yeah um there was a mention of I'm still stuck on that last part where like they lost so much key staff that there's like systems that nobody who's still there knows how to use. Did they mention what though? Uh, let me go straight to the end. I think that's that's so weird. Uh, it says, "Oh, and close close to close this out." Quote: One developer recently said a colleague currently at Ubisoft contacted them to solve an issue with a game because no one was still there who knew the system. So I imagine this must be like kind of like a smaller uh, compartmentalized like part of the development. Okay. So I don't know exactly what it is. They just said a, an issue with the game. And it's like, oh, yeah, like we scared away all the specialists who know how to work the system works. And now we're just left with it's like it's like that. Was it that Kellogg or which, which company was it that has like that strike going on? I think Kellogg is one of them. Yeah. Where like all like the important people who like Matt, not matter, but like all the people who know the stuff like they left. And then Kellogg had to forcefully hire new people. And the new people are so inept that they're actually causing more damage. Oh, man. I think they're than was, contributing. I think this happened to. Um, it was either, either John Deere. Like they Deere, were so poorly trained that. I think like, it was like Caterpillar or John Deere. Okay. That the new people came in and they actually ended up getting injured on the job. Because they weren't trained properly. Yeah. Because the people who would have trained them were not, weren't there anymore something like that yeah same thing here same thing with uh catalog and stuff so it's crazy man it's crazy right now we're i'm still telling you i'm curious to see what the repercussions from this pandemic are going to be like for the workforce in the future like if you can like work remotely for most of these jobs and that's going to shake up the housing market like dramatically so we'll see how this goes but anyways that's that's what's going on with ubisoft and activision blizzard can you imagine though i like how I, i mean i don't like but I find it telling how Activision Blizzard has the highest uh, retention issue. Attrition is the word they use, I think. Attrition. At 16%, Johnny. That's like one of every five people almost who's just like deuces. So, Speaking of Ubisoft, Johnny, let's move on to our next story, shall we? This story comes from way of IGN, 
written by Matt Perslow. It says Ubisoft announces Splinter Cell remake. Ubisoft has announced that it has greenlit. You can already hear the sound though. Has greenlit the development of a remake of its stealth classic, Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell. Announced on Ubisoft's website, the remake will be developed by lead studio Ubisoft Toronto, the developers of Splinter Cell Blacklist. It will be built from the ground up using the Snowdrop engine, which is the tech being used for the Division games, the upcoming Avatar Frontiers of Pandora game, and Ubisoft's as-yet-untitled Star Wars game. In an interview posted to the Ubisoft website, producer Matt West said, I quote, I think it kind of has to be a remake as opposed to a remaster. Although we're still in the very earliest stages of development, what we're trying to do is make sure the spirit of the early games remains intact in all of the ways they gave early Splinter Cell its identity, end quote. Part of keeping that remake true to the series identity is that it will be a linear game and not open world akin to many other Ubisoft games. Thank God. As for the gameplay that happens within those linear levels, the emphasis is once again on stealth, not action. Quote, It's safe to say a lot of us on the team are stealth purists, and we're behind that level of seriousness when it comes to those kinds of mechanics and those sorts of things that we want to see in this game. End quote, says Chris Audi, Splinter Cell's new creative director. Quote, And we're very, very aware of what makes Splinter, classic Splinter Cell what it is. End quote. It's important for us to persevere or i'm sorry preserve the sense of mastery by supporting players who observe the situations make their plan use their gadgets and outsmart the enemy creatively to deal with the challenges they are presented with he explained ideally they end up coming out on the other side with no one having realized you were even there that's the essence of splinter cell end quote the gameplay experience we are targeting is directly tied to what we want players to feel to capture the essence back when we were all playing the original games, said West. It's unclear if anyone from the original Splinter Cell team is working on this remake, but technical producer Peter Hondrino says that the series veterans are part of the new team. There are lots of vets here, so we're going to have a really good mix of people who have worked on previous Splinter Cell games and new team members who are joining and bringing fresh energy and fresh ideas, he said. But it looks like this remake could just be the start of Ubisoft's revised efforts on Splinter Cell. With this remake, we are building a solid base for the future of Splinter Cell, Audi said. Alright. There's a little bit more, but I'm just going to leave it there. He just talk, starts talking about Ghost Recon and Rainbow Six and like other Tom Clancy stuff. Uh, Johnny, I'm going to be frank with you. I'm not the biggest Splinter Cell fan. And that's because for the most part, Splinter Cell was largely in Xbox, like... Not exclusive, but like, I think the first Splinter Cell game was Xbox exclusive. I could be wrong. I know some of them appeared, I think, on GameCube, but like, I was just never, I never cared about stealth action until I played like Metal Gear Solid, like later in my life. So, I mean, people have been clamoring for Splinter Cell remake. Like, I remember when they introduced, uh, what's his name? I forget the character, Sam Fisher, as like an extra character in, uh, as an extra skin or whatever in one of the go in ghost Re in uh rainbow six siege like people were like pissed like like just give him his own game so it looks like they're finally doing the thing they're finally returning to the series and like actually making a proper cell game uh so do you have any thoughts or any opinions about this at all no not major on the series but i like that we're gonna get something that's stealth and linear 
I think it makes sense to go with a remake because from what I understand, like where the last game left off, it was kind of like they wrote themselves into a corner in terms of like where Sam Fisher can go as a character. Mm -hmm. Like he was a old and retired. They kind of did like the old snake thing too with him, I guess. Yeah. And this is perfect because like someone who's as someone who has never played any of the Splinter Cell games, it being a remake sounds like this sounds like that perfect entry point for like people to try out. Have you seen that Easter egg where Sam Fisher talks about Snake? Yes. That's cool. Or like, like there's not that many of us left. Now there's like one other guy, I think, who like retires. He's basically describing like Nick, uh, old Snake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've never played any Splinter Cell games, but if they're doing like a remake, it sounds like this sounds like the perfect entry point for me to kind yeah, of Yeah, I think it's the best decision. To kind of get in there and try it out. So So for Splinter Cell fans out there, congratulations. You finally got something you've been wanting for a long time. All right, Johnny. We got two more stories to go. We're almost there, Johnny. We're almost there. This is a marathon. We got to pace ourselves. This is the next story comes from Engadget. Sony buys co-development studio Valkyrie Entertainment. And it's written by Igor Bonifacic. Bonifacic? I hope I'm saying that right. Sony has acquired Seattle-based developer Valkyrie Entertainment. Financial terms of the deal haven't been disclosed. Founded in 2002, it's best known for providing co-development services to other game studios in the past. Valkyrie has worked with Sony, Microsoft, and Riot to help on titles like God of War, Halo Infinite, and Valorant. Before today's announcement, it was working on God of War Ragnarok with Sony's Santa Monica studio. Okay, so that's probably why they bought them. Yeah. This is a quote from their tw- from Herman Holt's Twitter. Today, we announced Valkyrie Entertainment will be joining the PlayStation Studio family. The studio will be making invaluable contributions to key PlayStation Studios franchises. End quote. So that was December 10th, 2021 from Herman Holst. The acquisition was announced by Herman Holst, the head of PlayStation Studios. Valkyrie's diverse capabilities will be welcomed by every team at PlayStation Studios as we continue to focus on delivering story gaming experience, he said. Statement. Uh, oh, no. What happened to my computer, Johnny? It's... Okay, there we go. There we go. No worries. <laughs> you looked up. It was just the my web browser acting funny, but we're good. We're good. Uh, let me scroll down. For Sony, the deal caps off a year full of still purchases. In the last 12 months, the company has added Housemark, Nixus Software, Firesprite, Bluepoint Games, and now Valkyrie Entertainment to its first party lineup for a total of 17 studios under its banner. Sony used to be a lot more methodical when it came to its talent acquisitions. <laughs> Between 2010 and 2020, it only added two studios, Sucker Punch and Insomniac Games. If there's a reason for the change in pace, it likely has at least something to do with Microsoft's $7.5 billion deal to buy Bethesda parent company, Santa Max Media, in 2020. And that's the end of the article. Johnny, remember, I thought this wasn't supposed to be an arms race, remember? Was this not an arms race? Because it looks like an arms race to me. Undecided yet. I don't know. You're not sure where you come down on that statement? Nah, maybe it has more to do with uh, Tencent. Yeah, okay, maybe an arms race, but... Tencent's been buying, Sony's been buying, Xbox has been buying. Everybody but Nintendo is pretty much buying. <laughs> I feel like, and I hope this is the case, that Xbox and Nintendo and, and Sony got together and said, hey, let's buy some fucking studios as long as those guys don't get it. Tencent. You think that's what's going on? Some kind of international so. arms race? Yeah, I'm fun with that. But you're just making up this narrative out of nowhere. I am. <laughs> I, I hope that's what it is. Okay. 
you think they're trying to uh, they're trying to, to keep what is it what is this the west competitive or what is japan the west considered the west mm, no not right. really but i'm no, i couldn't find a better term allies you think that's what's going on sure i don't know if that's I don't know if that's financial. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't well, know if that makes financial sense to try to just outdo another company just because. But I find it funny because remember a while back we heard like, oh, it's not an arms race. These are strategic purchases. And it's like... Well, those look all strategic. Like you haven't bought anything like in the last 10 years except for two studios. And now in this last year you bought you've more than doubled that in one year. Sony hasn't made any crazy ass purchases and they got Insomniac for like 100 mil. It didn't even that mention like super fucking reasonable. They didn't even mention like the Funimation or Crunchyroll acquisition stuff either. The anime stuff. Yeah, a lot of people don't like that shit apparently. I remember when they bought um, Evo? Remember they bought Evo? The yeah, fighting championship? Yes, that's right. That wasn't mentioned either. That's because it's not a studio. That's why. Yeah. But they've been buying just like random ass stuff that has like nothing to do. I don't feel like any of this is random. Okay, well, like, all, like this is a, a support studio. It's a support studio, yeah. They've worked on a ton of the game, Sony games and Xbox games. That are pretty high end. But why would they have to buy the studio if it's always just done support stuff on the side? Like, why? What's the need to buy it when it's already doing the stuff you're asking it to do? It might have to do more with mobile. Sony's gonna get into mobile heavily. That was uh, that's not this one. That was the other studio that they bought, wasn't that the Nixus or Fire Sprite? One of those two is the one that has to do with like P. Oh no, that was PC ports, right? Yes. Okay. So it seems like they're just trying to like consolidate and try to get into every single aspect of every single gaming market that's viable. Which hopefully, I hope that works out for them. It's just, I'm just still hung up on that. Oh, this isn't an arms race. And it's like, actions speak louder than words, you know? So anyways, it just seems strange that they would buy someone for support when like they're already doing that without well, buying is them. it a bad thing necessarily because xbox is the one that put out that narrative like this is not an arms race although they were fucking buying bethesda is that true i thought it came up from the PlayStation side that said this is an arms race i thought jim ryan said that could be right oh now you got me doubting myself johnny i don't like doubting myself you're making me question oh, you made me doubt myself too you're making me question my reality Whatever. The point is, everybody out here buying something. It's like, hide your kids, hide your wife, because they're buying everybody out here, Johnny. Except Nintendo. You're safe from Nintendo, because Nintendo does not want you. Anyways, let's go on. This last and final story comes from PC Gamer. And it is, Tencent buys Back for Blood developer Turtle Rock Studios. Very relevant to what we were just talking about, Johnny. This article comes from Andy Chalk, a name that I can pronounce. Tencent announced today that it has added yet another game studio, another one, another game studio to its stable through to its stable through the acquisition of Slamfire, the parent company of Back for Blood developer Turtle Rock Studios. Okay, I thought they just bought Turtle Rock Studios, but they apparently acquired the parent company, which makes it sound even more expensive. Turtle Rock will continue independent operations out of its current office in California with co-founders Phil Robb and Chris Ashton remaining at the helm. The studio said the acquisition will enable it to grow in size and expand its ambitions for Back for Blood. We will continue to transparently communicate with you all, provide updates on all our progress through our Trello board, and expand upon what makes Back for Blood so special. What is Trello, Johnny? Do you know? 
think it is. It's not like Slack like a voice app. Oh, it's not like Slack. Okay, never mind. Turtle Rock said. Additionally, we get to do something we have never done before as a studio: turn a universe we created into a true, long-standing AAA franchise. We can now ensure that the Back for Blood franchise is here to stay, and we will be working on it well into the future. We are huge fans of Turtle Rock's games, especially their amazing approach to creative, cooperative online games, Tencent Games Global Chief Strategy Officer Eddie Chan said. We can't wait to see what comes next, and we're excited to be part of their future. Founded in 1998, Tencent has grown to become a major player in the global video games business. Along with its internal studios, it owns Riot Games, Funcom, and Fat Shark Outright, and it has holdings in companies such as Epic, Bluehole, Ubisoft, Activision Blizzard, Frontier Developments, and Paradox Interactive. In November, it picked up a minority stake in ukulele studio Platonic. In July, it acquired the Sumo Group, a UK-based developer with 14 studios worldwide. We said following the Sumo Group acquisition that it's difficult to overstate how much of the industry Tencent now owns. It invested in 31 game companies in 2020 alone. Although obviously not all of those investments ended in ownership, but it's also facing some major challenges at home. A crackdown on gaming in China earlier this year, which grew to include an outright halt on licenses for new games in November, took a significant toll on Tencent's share price which remains well below the peak value it achieved in February. So that last part has nothing to do with the main stuff. It's just like extra stuff if you wanted to know. <coughs> Johnny, it, you, we're, we are no stranger to your uh, stance on Tencent here. Um, but what do you think now, from the, at least from the Turtle Rock Studios viewpoint, that now like they've secured enough money with this acquisition that now they can like make a whole... like gaming universe around back for blood something that they, they could or what do you think about that okay well it's irrelevant to me because they don't make any games that i'm into they have counter-strike half-life 2 what that's valve well they had half-life 2 deathmatch i don't know what that is oh okay okay uh left for dead mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. leap evolve face your feels it well journey of the gods yeah so there's no games here that i that I like. What do you think about the the tone of the article towards the end, where like they like, like yeah, it's kind of scary how much of the gaming industry they own. What do you think about like they've had they have their toes in a little bit of everything. Yeah, don't like it. A lot of people are worried about it, but they don't say much about it. Well, it's there's not much. Act. There's not much that can be done. Like if it's legal, then it's legal, you know. Well, Andrew DM'd me this story, and I told him. What did you tell I, me? I set a high bar, so it's kind of meaningless. I, I, I said, if Tencent ever buys some shit like Sony, that's the, the day I'm no longer a gamer. And that's strong words. Strong words. Yeah, but that, that feels like it's really ne- never going to happen. So then it doesn't cost anything to say them then. <laughs> yeah. Well, once you told me, I was like, yeah, you're kind of right. That's that's sending a... Is it a high bar or a low bar? That's, I guess, high bar because financially high bar. Yeah. Okay. But what would stop you from being a gamer? Um, tangent. The, the day I get bored or tired of playing games. That's it. Probably. I don't. As long as the industry continues to like innovate, I don't think that'll ever happen. Or like, do you boycott anything? Not really, cause like, I was gonna. I remember I said I was gonna boycott like Call of Duty because it's in the game I wanted. 
but I ended up getting Vanguard because it was cheap. <laughs> it was like thirty bucks used, so I bought it. I boycott shit all the time, like Mass Effect. Like uh, I had like some politics I wasn't into, but more than that, they just released a broken ass game, and I see that shit on the PlayStation Store, and every time I see the cover, I just laugh. It's like it's not even intentional. I just laugh at the game, and I pass over it. But the thing is, like cheap. And I still won't touch this shit. Although I love Mass Effect, I don't want anything to do with Andromeda. Same thing with... uh, But you're excited for the new one, right? Whatever the next Mass Effect game is going to be. I'm excited for it, but I don't know if they're going to release it broken. Mm. Right? Uh, Same thing with uh, with Cyberpunk. It's my favorite genre. I love the the way the world looks, but they released that shit broken. And I'm just like, nah, fuck you guys. It's mostly good now. It's mostly fixed now, Johnny. I don't care. So like when somebody's wrong to you like they're just like marked for life? No, not necessarily no. Well you just say you don't care though. Well I don't care about purchasing the, that product anymore. Even for like the low cost of ten bucks? Yeah. I don't want it. Wow. Strong words from a strong man. Alright. Alright, Johnny, so that's the end of our news segment for today. We covered a record seven stories because we had to make up for some stuff. Yeah, okay, but how do you feel about Tencent? Oh. Mm, I don't like it. I don't I you know I don't like the consolidation of the video game industry of like Microsoft buying stuff, Sony buying stuff, Tencent especially buying like lots of stuff. Cuz then I worry about like what does that mean? Like what ideas get filtered downward, you know, like uh I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little paranoid, but I'm wondering like if cuz Tencent has like a huge relationship with the CCP in How's China. How's that paranoia? Cuz maybe cuz well, okay. A lot of the studios they don't own a lot of the studios. They own like a handful and the rest of them they just have like part ownership or mm-hmm. just like investments in. So it's like how much how much like bargaining power do they actually have like at the table you know what i mean like when it comes to like ideas for games or like you know themes and stuff like that like how much of that is actually like on the table for them and then how much of it is just like me just like i don't know kind of like a red scare kind of like reaction you know what i mean yeah the the investment into a company doesn't stress me as much right but outright own yeah owner outright ownership is different yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even part ownership, I think, might even be kind of an issue, too, for, like, uh, like Riot and um, the other one. I forgot they mentioned in the article. But, like, they do have part ownership, which is different from just investing, right? Part ownership at least guarantees you, like, board members or, like, you know, you do have some representation when it comes to, like, the business, the day-to-day running of a company. Yeah. So that might be a little worrisome because... They have allegedly like close ties to the CCP, so you have to like wonder how much of that gets trickled in, you know? Because we know, like for example, with Blizzard, like World of Warcraft and uh, I'm sorry, not World of Warcraft, uh, Starcraft is huge in like overseas in Asia, and we saw like remember that whole thing with Hong Kong like a few years ago that we all kind of forgot about, where like people were like you know like freedom for Hong Kong, or whatever. That was only like last year. No, that was two years ago now, Johnny. Okay, so it's not that long. Two years is kind of long, especially when you remember it's before the pandemic started. If like everything from before the pandemic in my mind seems like so far away, like so long ago. That's how I perceive time now. It's weird. But remember the whole thing with the Hong Kong stuff and Blizzard and all that stuff going on where people were like 
like Blizzard, like, well, why won't you crack down on them? But like when freaking LeBron James or whoever it was, was LeBron? It was LeBron or somebody well, said something? Like wait, it was like um, like they refused to say something. It was one of some basketball player. They refused yeah, to LeBron take a, refused a stance to. because like hello, like in Hong Kong or in China at least, basketball is actually worth something, not just like over here. Yeah. Right. So it's like if you won't speak out, it's like what what's the next thing you won't like speak out for? You know what I'm saying? Like it's just kind of like a again, maybe I'm I'm reaching here. Maybe I'm reaching, but I do think there is kind of like a slippery slope a bit, you know? Like I don't what think kind of reaching at all? Well, some people might say, some listeners might think I might be reaching or something I'm saying. But uh Oh, that reminds me, Johnny. They say the heart grows fonder. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. We were gone for like two weeks. We actually got an email from somebody who we never received from before. Cool. I'll read it later. But anyways, the idea is, what I'm saying is, because I don't know like how how valid my ideas are is what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I might be reaching. Maybe what you're saying I'm not reaching. Maybe somebody else is like, okay, like maybe going into paranoia territory or something. But the, the point is, it's important to know where the money trail goes you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so that's why whenever you read like a report about an investigation or a study it's like who conducted the study like who you know yeah it's just stuff to be aware about so anyway so what was your original question i forgot johnny oh 10 cent uh well, you don't like it but will you take it is a question i mean i have no legal power over any of this stuff so no, the question is boycott. Will you boycott anything at, at some point? I don't think I consume anything from Tencent except... Well, you know what? That's not true. I did boycott the Call of Duty mobile game that they did. The the Black Ops mobile, whatever that game was. We can only play it on the phone. And that was because it was 100%. Like, I think that one was developed by Tencent because it was done with like the some like other studio that Tencent owned. Who st- who They only use the COD license from Activision. I think that was like completely internally designed by like one of their Tencent's like directly owned studios. That one I did boycott. And also I boycotted uh, TikTok for a while because of its, I think TikTok was, I'm not sure it was Tencent, but some company that was like Tencent owned TikTok and I completely avoided that one for the same reason. So, okay. That, so I guess so. Yes, I will boycott stuff. That sounds reasonable to me because the way you were saying it is like, if I like it, I'll get it. If I like the game, I'll get it. Fuck it. Well, I just, I mean, the mobile COD was easy to skip because it's not a mainline game. You know what I mean? So that one was like, ah, I don't care for COD enough for me to be like, I'm okay with this game. So I'm just going to skip it. And TikTok like is a big thing, but I think they finally sold TikTok to somebody else now. Right. I don't know the situation with that. Right I remember now. there was that whole thing about that Chinese malware or whatever that was. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, uh, like I'm good. But somebody told me now that they, that it's not owned by that company anymore. That TikTok was bought out by somebody else. So that might. I might go back on that, but anyways, Johnny, that's the end of our news segment for today. Let's talk about what have you been playing since last time we talked, Johnny? What have you been playing since the last time we recorded? I haven't been, really been playing. I've been watching more films than anything. Disappointed. Yeah, I understand, but there's there's not a whole lot, because I, I still have a fucking PS5. I'm still kind of waiting. To, to, there's still stuff coming out on PS4, Johnny. PS4. Yeah, there is, but I want to play it on the 5. Not all the like, stuff has, like, PS5 upgrades, though. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I understand you, but... So, no more Fortnite? No, there's that, but that's just, like... 
whatever. No just... thoughts on the new season? The Rock finally joining the game? Well, okay. When there's a new season, a new chapter, mm-hmm. shit is always slow. So there's not much to to speak on. Like, I like... I don't know what I've already talked about is a thing like from the last time. It's I a blur. The <laughs> like the guns I like, like there's that. Well, end. the rock, we didn't, I mean, we suspected, but we didn't hundred percent know for sure the rock was in the game until just recently. Yeah. But it just shows up in like the, the scene that transitions from one chapter to another. Was it his voice? Hmm? Was it his voice? Yeah. It was his, his face, his voice. See, does he, do you use any of his like catchphrases? No, like, none of that is in there. Aww. Like, the actual skin doesn't come out for, like, weeks. Oh, you mean you still can't play as it? No, you... No. That's what I'm saying. Like, every time there's a new chapter, there's, like, not a whole lot new. There's a new map. They just, like, trickle guns. it out slowly? Yeah, that's... Yeah, that's what it is. Oh, that's lame. I thought you could already play The Rock, like, if you had the money. No, the best part right now is just, you got this MK. I love that gun. Feels great. Is that the one that aims on the sights? Yes. It's, it's a that's great cool. gun, dude. And then you get the sliding mechanics. But aside from that... Oh, and then you get the spider shooters. Dun, 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 uh, they're not bad. Dun, like, you could do dun, shit like... Uh, There's a car driving. You can shoot at the car and then just... Webs it? Ride behind the car. Oh, like like kind of like... Uh, like When people like do like the skiing on the on the water behind exactly like a jet like ski. That. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But aside from that, I've just been watching. I've Have you been, been swinging around as, as Spider-Man or no? Have you tried swinging around? Um... No, not yet. Not as Spider-Man. Oh. Supposedly, like his his swinging mechanics in the game are actually not that bad no. compared to like his appearance in the Avengers game. No, 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 <laughs> no. Shit. Which is really funny. That game is fucking horrible. Which is really funny, like that they nailed Spider-Man's in Fortnite, but not quite in the Avengers game that he's in. Oh, yeah, funny. I'm I'm looking up the games on my on my wish list, and everything is either not released on PS5 or. Or not, or not worth like purchasing right now. Like I want to get a Crash Team Racing. That's okay. forty bucks. I don't want to get it for forty bucks. Um, Shifu, but that's on PS Five. There's Returnal. Uh, it takes two. It's forty. It takes two to make a thing go. For spoken. Really, it takes two. It's forty. I remember it was twenty dollars during Black Friday. Uh, Horizon Forbidden West. There's a game called Chorus. There's so many that I just not. It's just not the right time. Alan we'll, Wake remaster. We'll compare. We'll compare notes next week for our uh, year year end and review recap episode next week. So far, I've completed thirty one games this year, which is more than I've ever completed. I think in any year. Then again, this is the only year where I've actually actively tried to play more games. Any regrets on any of those? Uh, like I regret completing the game. Is that what you're asking? Like playing it or thinking this was gonna be a great experience probably like two games okay. off the top of my head i can't remember what they are oh i think mario party superstars was one of them because that game like came and died like in like quickly huh. but I, I completed like the main like stuff for the single player mode so i counted it as like beaten but anyways in that case uh i completed three games since the last time we spoke uh, let me look them up real quick. I have them on the app. I have the the GG app, which is like a, a it lets you like catalog like what you played and like what you review stuff. It's a very useful app. There's also one for movies called Letterbox. I don't know if you ever heard of that one. Oh, okay. Sorry. What do they do? It's just a way for you to visually catalog like what you've played and like what you've reviewed or like scored or whatever. Oh, that's cool. Because I, I just do it on Evernote. Like I have a I have my list of like 
this one gets my score. The cool thing is you can, like, if you forget about a game, whatever, you can make, like, separate lists. Like, I have games that I beat. I also have a list of, like, games that are less than five hours that are fun. Okay, what is it called? Uh, I think it's called, I think it's just called GG. Like, if you look it up on the Play Store, type in GG, and that's literally what it is. It's just two Gs next to each other. It should be, like, GG app or something. Uh, It's, yeah, it's just GG with, like, an I next to it. Yeah, I went to the app store. There's way too many. It, it's a black, it's like a dark blue square with two white capital G's in the center and a green line next to it. Okay, I want to solve it. That's the one. I use that to organize, like, keep track of, like, what I played, what I'm currently playing, stuff like that. So why don't you use, like, uh, what is it called? MBD or whatever for films? IMBD? Yeah. That's different. That's, like, Letterboxd. That's, like, for movies specifically. But I'm talking about this one I use for games specifically. So, Okay. I think I talked about Far Cry 6 last time, right? I did. I did, I did. Okay, so I since the last time, I finally started playing Deathloop, which is like one of the more highly regarded games from this year. And yeah, that's the app. That's the one. Okay. And I can tell you that I, it's not resonating with me. I think with the issue with most of the arcane games like Prey and Dishonored and now Deathloop, I don't enjoy the stealth mechanics in those games because I don't like the way they handle stealth in those games. Like Deathloop, I want to like it. It's not fleshed out. No, it's fleshed out. I just don't like the way it handles. I don't like the controls. I don't like how the game wants me to play. And it's always with arcane games, because I've done the same with Dishonored, I've done it with Prey, where the game wants me to play a certain way, and the way it handles the stealth mechanics, I just don't like them. I don't. I want to like this game really bad, I want to enjoy it, I don't think anybody ever goes into a game saying, like, I don't want to enjoy this game, but I, it's not clicking with me. I don't, it's not fun for me, and it sucks, because, like, this is supposed to be, like, one of the more highly regarded games, but this is, like, the first time all year I ran into a game that I'm, like... Like, I sh- on paper, I should be enjoying this. Yeah. But it's not sticking the landing for me. So I played about six hours of Deathloop. I I don't remember if we talked about what the premise of the game is. Is that you are stuck. There's a date. There's a cycle that you live every single day. Dividing into four sections. Morning, noon, afternoon, and evening. And to break the Deathloop, or break the loop in the game, to, like, end the game completely... You have to assassinate like these seven people like at the same time. Now, these seven people are located throughout the island in different parts. So you kind of the bulk of the game is you trying to figure out the ways to lure each character so that on the final loop, you know exactly how to get them all in the same spot at the same time for you to kill them. So what the game does is that none of your stuff carries over from each loop or whatever. Unless you do this thing early on called like infusion where like you kind of like sort of you spend points or like energy on like saving this one thing and that next thing will transfer with you the next time you start over. So it's kind of like a returnal or return. It's kind of like a roguelite. Very similar to those games are very similar and they both came out this year, but returnal plays way better. It's much fluid, faster, more fluid. And Returnal's closer to like an actual true roguelike. Whereas with Returnal, I mean, I'm sorry, with Deathloop, you're trying to organize all this stuff, but then there's somebody else, the other main character, who's trying to kill you while you're trying to organize this stuff. And that mechanic of Juliana, she's like, who's like the other main character, mm-hmm. 
Like even I have it set off so I don't want so that when it does show up, she's a she's a bot and not like another player because it's so frustrating trying to do that. And I I just don't like it, Johnny. Honestly, just don't like the game. And I can't tell you exactly like what's the. It's not just one thing that turns me off. It's smaller things that kind of compound. They make the game not enjoyable for me. And I'm glad I only spent like 25 bucks on this game because I would be pissed if I paid full price for it because it's just like the characters themselves are witty. I love the banter between, uh, I forget the guy's main character's name, but him and Juliana, like how like, cause Juliana is like it, early on. She's like a friend of yours. She was a friend of yours before you decide that, that the, early on in the game, they, they tell you that the, this whole concept of this endless loop is on purpose because it's like you guys found a way to like stay immortal, basically. But your character is kind of like tired with it. And so like you're, you were like the former like leader of these guys. And now you're going against the group trying to like break the loop. And like nobody wants it to end except for you. So Juliana remembers like who you are each loop, but like other people don't. So... She's there to protect the loop and you're there to break it. And so you have this conflict with her where she like, like when she does show up, like the game tells you like, oh, like you're being hunted or whatever. And so you have like a moment where like, ah, okay, I have to stop focusing on my objective because now I have to deal with this new obstacle. And I know the game is designed around that, but it's just for me, not enjoyable. I don't like it. How much have you put into it? At this point, I probably put like six to seven hours into the game. But I've played enough to the point where, like, I know what the what the formula for the game is, and it's just not clicking with me. I'm not enjoying it. Well, you got a hard copy; you could sell it. I could, but then part of me is also very stubborn, and I feel like I need to get through this. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't want to get through this. I don't know. I think I'm gonna put like four more hours into it. If it doesn't click with me by then, then I'm just gonna stop. Same thing with Control. I have to put a few more hours into it before I decide to fully like shelve it. Yeah, I don't understand why you don't like control. It's because when you told me, it sounds like you just don't like the narrative. I, well, I told you with control, I just don't care for like the actual like the game has not fully pulled me into the plot where like I care about what happens. The to genre, you. it's a big ask. I know, like the genre isn't really your thing. Those games are, in a way, these games are kind of similar because they both have shooting mechanics that I'm not. They don't feel tight for me. Control feels tight to me. Really? Yeah. I don't know. It feels it feels tight, but it, it feels feel... loose. I feel like loose when I'm playing control. Like, well, I think that might be because of the other powers that you're gonna get. You have to feel that way. Okay. It feels a little like when she runs sideways, looks a little bit odd. Yeah. But you're gonna need that. Okay. All right. I'm gonna put. Uh, okay. I'm gonna go back to control because other people have told me like, like, oh no, no, the game gets way better past like a certain point. And it's like. What's that point? Uh, I think they say by the time you get like your second power, whatever that is, the second, uh, well, you can actually start like levitating stuff, supposedly. Oh, that makes it. A... Well, to me, because I don't have that whole levitating nah, stuff. No, levitating yeah. is dope, dude. When you feel like you can grab almost everything. Yeah, that's what people tell levitate, me. And then also when you start getting like that, the double jump, that's amazing. That shit feels amazing. Yeah, I don't have either of those things, but people are telling me that that's when the game like truly opens up. And I'm like. Like, okay, well, I hope I get there soon then. Is it like in the, I'm like in the first four hours still of the game. I don't know when that shows up. I don't remember how long it takes, but I love the game. Mm, okay. Well, I'll have to give it more of a try then. So, yeah, Deathloop. At this point, I'm not sure if I'm going to shelve it permanently or just try to stick with it and see if I can get, like, like what 
the real meat of the game is. Although I feel like I've already found it. And I, it's just not to my taste, pun intended. But um, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I have other games I want to play that I don't want to like shelve for too long in favor of this game. So. Sell it. Maybe. I might You'll do probably that. get your 25 back. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, so besides Deathloop, uh, I've been playing another game which also has loop in its name, but is far more fun for me, and that is Loop Hero. John, have you heard of Loop Hero? No, I don't like it already. Why? I, the name just, just fucking weird. I think you will like Loop Hero because it plays closer to an RTS. I think you will like that. All right. Loop Hero is really cool. It's a very, it's a super like two D sprite uh, game that's on PC and Switch. I just got it on Switch like two days ago. I am super addicted to the game. So let me paint this for you. Loop Hero is a two D kind of like a passive game where. There is a course, like a loop. That's where the name comes from. There's like a course that your character takes, right? And it's like a, it's kind of like an RPG, except that when you complete a run, all your stuff gets reset, like your equipment and stuff and your level. Your character moves around on a little board, and he defeats like enemies, like like auto, it auto, it does the battle for you like automatically, like you don't push anything, you just kind of watch it happen. Mm-hmm. And then when he defeats enemies, those enemies drop like tiles. And then you can add those tiles to the loop, to the track, to the road. And each of those tiles do a separate thing. Like one adds like a forest to the to the, the loop now. Another one might add like a vampire mansion to the loop now. And then all of these things, they add enemies to your your like your track, your loop, your path. And then those enemies drop like new items and so forth. So it's like a very it's a repeating kind of thing, uh mechanic. When you complete like a loop you get back to your base and it's like do you want to restart like do you want to retreat like do you want to like stop your run early or do you want to continue so if you retreat you keep all the materials you've earned up until that point if you continue though like you risk losing those materials but like you get your health back and then the next run of enemies like the equipment they drop is going to be better so the game has you kind of do this thing where you're constantly adding, you get new drops and you can like equip like, let's say I kill like a slime. That slime might drop a sword and like a environment tile thing. The sword, you you know, you equip it and you, like, you do more damage. But the environment tile might be like, oh, like place this on the map and like every loop, like it'll spawn a new treasure chest or something like that. So it's almost like a board game, board game that you play on your own Yeah. with RTS like management because like enemies will drop resources and depending on where you put those resources on the map they might have like compounding effects like oh like this enemy dropped a a mountain tile if you put five mountain tiles next to each other you get like a whole bunch of like minerals but now you created a new mountain range and now those enemies will come down from those mountain ranges into your into your path so, like, the game does this really cool thing where it rewards you for trying to survive the loop as long as possible. But if you die before you complete, like, your last loop or whatever, then you lose your materials. And then none of it, like, none of it, like, carries over and stuff. So, you go back to your, if you retreat, you go back to your, your village hub. And whatever materials you have, you can, like, build new facilities in the village. And those new facilities age you when you go back out into the loop again. So, for example, um, on the first few runs, you have no weapons. You have no weapons at all. You have to find weapons. 
if you do enough runs, you get you collect like ore and metal. So when you come back to your village later in the game, you can now build a blacksmith. And so the blacksmith, the ability of the blacksmith is the next time you do a loop, you go out with starting equipment. You have a sword, you have armor from then on, from then on to like forever. So it kind of like, it's like one of those, you know, I like these systems where like the feet game, the gameplay feed, la- feed loop or the feedback leads into like the next thing that kind of aids your gameplay, like with Persona, where the combat benefits like the non-combat stuff, and the non-combat stuff benefits the combat. Feels like harvesting in RTS. Yeah, in RTS where you're harvesting materials, you go back, build new facilities, and those facilities aid you in like fighting your battle, right? Uh-huh. So Loop Hero is kind of like that. Now the actual story of Loop Hero, I'm still kind of early into it. But it seems like you're on this world that's completely void of anything. Mm-hmm. Like you're the last person here. And as the game continues, like you meet other survivors. And you start to piece together like what's happening with the world. You start to take back part of the world. So even though like your cycle ends, there is some stuff that does carry over from loop to loop. So as you build more facilities, like more people come in. And then you start to get more of the exposition of the backstory. And right now, at a point where my character through repeated loops has enough equipment where I can survive longer. And as you survive longer, then you start being introduced to like the boss characters of the loops. So I believe, I don't know for sure. Like, I, I just, I lost, I went up against the game's like first actual boss and I died and I lost. But I got like stuff that will carry over that will make it the next time a little bit easier. So wait, is there actual combat or is it just a management type of deal? The combat just happens on its own. You see like your guy, like there's like a little time bar that fills up and when it fills up, he swings and then the same thing for the enemy. It's very passive. Okay. There's nothing like quick time. No, no, no. It's a very passive. You're really, the only stuff that requires your input is after you defeat an enemy, the game pauses in which you're supposed to either add more tiles to the map. Or you're supposed to equip your character with like new equipment. And if you don't want to do that, you just unpause the game and then he just continues on his loop on his own. Hmm. So after every battle, the game lets you pause and be like, okay, like, do you want to add more stuff to the map now? Or do you want to just leave it the way it is? And so like the, the stuff that you add to the map, these tiles, they sometimes make things harder for you. But like, okay, we're going to introduce... If you add the graveyard tile, skeleton enemies will now spawn. But every other loop, like they will drop like treasure chests. So the way you're supposed to progress through the game is you're supposed to get slowly stronger and stronger for you to do more loops so that the enemies become stronger and stronger. And then you start getting new materials that you can take back to your base to then build more facilities for your base that, again, go back into aiding you into surviving longer in the loop. Hmm. So everything is kind of like a self-fulfilling kind of like, not prophecy, I'm sorry. But like everything is like self-sustaining in a way where it kind of feeds back into like the gameplay. Okay. It's really cool. It's re- it's very it's it's addictive because you get to the point where like like should I retreat or like nah I think I can do one more loop. It's always like that one more loop. So what do you get when you when you're actually playing the game? Do you feel a sense of like tension of like addiction? What's like the driver for the gameplay? Like what's like the like the dopamine like 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 fuck one more yes is that it's that one more like turn that one more loop because it's rewarding you like you start to you get like better equipment because at the start of every loop you get crappy equipment and then for each progress each complete circuit you do the Mm -hmm. enemy levels go up and then they start dropping off better stuff they get stronger 
but they start dropping better stuff. And it just becomes a matter of how long can I last in the circuit before I have to retreat or I die. And then I can like make better decisions of like which tiles I should avoid placing. Like, mm-hmm. should I avoid put, placing mountain tiles if it's going to introduce more enemies? Or should I just put enough for the benefits? Because placing mountain tiles has like a passive effect where like it adds to your HP. As you kind of like fill out the world, yeah. like the map, you get passive you get like passive buffs from like the tiles. Wait, what's the name of it again? Loop Hero. Okay, I just want to see. It's on PC and it just came out on Switch recently. It's a very basic game. You could probably run it on your computer. It's like very basic looking. It came out this year. Oh yeah, I see it. But like it's very like it looks like a, almost like a Super Nintendo game graphic wise. Yeah, when you first described it I was like does it look like a Gradius type of graphics? Nah, I think Gradius even looks better. But the game's visuals are not supposed to be like its strong point. Yeah, it does look like the tabletop. Yeah, thing. it's the gameplay itself, like the feedback and like the uh, the passiveness. Like it's just really addictive for me. It's so it's like, have you ever played any of the Civilization games? Maybe one. Okay, Civilization for me is addictive because it always has like that one more turn mechanic. Just one more turn. Let me just see what happens. Like one more turn. Sorry guys, phone's ring. I keep telling them I'll call them back. Anyway, so Deathloop, I'm not sorry, not Deathloop, Loop Hero. <laughs> Deathloop, not so much fun. Loop Hero, lots of fun for me so far. So that's what I'm playing right now currently on Switch. And then I picked up uh, Call of Duty Vanguard. Well, one thing before you start that. Okay. I feel like if you if you really like that sense of like, fuck one more, I feel like you'll get to XCOM. Really... No, no. Oh, I thought uh, you were XCOM. Frostpunk. Really? Dude, you get that feeling. That makes sense, because Frostpunk is, reminds me of Civilization, kind of. You get that feeling, like, when you're in there, you're like, I just gotta tweak this uh-huh. one more thing. Okay. And you're like, if I don't do this, my crew is gonna die, and then if I come back to it, I'm gonna forget, like, what my... Because you're keeping tabs on so many things. Yeah, You have, yeah. like, a mental map of, like, I gotta fix this, I gotta fix that, I gotta start this, I gotta harvest that. And you feel like, if I come back later, I'm gonna forget what I was gonna... Exactly what I was gonna do, and, like... All these are like 25 points. If I miss one, I'm fucked, you know? There's always something for you to be like working on or benefiting from, right? There's like the a small little like, let me work on this. Let me like, there's something for you. There's a, there's lots of carrots dangling in front of you, basically. Well, what I was going to say, if you have Game Pass, you should look up. Because I'm going to get it eventually. But you should see if Frostpunk is on Game Pass. Yeah, I mean, if it's anything like Civilization. Civilization, I cannot play because... I lose track of time so quickly. Like one more hour becomes a few more hours. And then like, it's like all of a sudden like 4 a.m. in the morning. I'm like, oh, like what happened? Because it has like that gameplay that kind of keeps you hooked in like every single turn. There's something going on for you to like address. Yeah. And there, it's those type of games are very much like immediate gratification. Mm-hmm. A lot of other games is just like, all right, two more matches, you know? Yeah. Even those can like And it's cuz the loops are quick. The circuits are really quick. It's a very small map actually. It's a very small map. Yeah. So you're constantly getting that like that rush of like do I retreat like no, I have a great I have a great run going. I should just keep the run going. Like one more circuit, one more circuit. Then I'll like then I'll retreat and then like you check your health and you're like can I chance it? Like ah, I can do another like you know what I mean? So it's like the game rewards you for not retreating, for not like taking the safe way out. So it's very addictive. I mean, I've some people, like I've seen tweet about it, have said like, oh, that's like my game of the year. I'm like, I don't know if I'll go that far. But it is super fun for what it is. When did it come out? This year. Earlier, like oh, in okay. spring. All right. Like around the time that Little Nightmares 2 came out. Okay. 
So, and all right. So yeah, I picked up Call of Duty Vanguard because I need that Call of Duty. I have that Call of Duty itch that needs scratching, and I've got it for like thirty bucks to use at GameStop. And I was like, okay, I'm finally gonna play Vanguard. So, what I like about Vanguard, I've played some of the multiplayer. The multiplayer is just general stuff, but the campaign for. First of all, this game looks gorgeous in 4K at 60 frames per second. Like, the main campaign looks... Like, it's at Uncanny Valley when you look at the character models. You're like, are these real people? Or is this just, like, very good CGI? And you're like, oh, no, it's just really, really good CGI. Like, in the campaign, at least. Multiplayer doesn't look as great because, you know, campaign is, like, scripted and everything's, like, designed in a way where it's, like, everybody's getting that same experience, right? It's very catered towards the player. Whereas multiplayer is like your mileage may vary, you know, what in terms of what happens, right? But the campaign for Vanguard is really dope. Basically, you have like you're going into Germany with like this task force of like operatives who are made of like different allies. Like there's like an Australian guy, you have your Russian female sniper, you have a British guy who's leading the platoon, there's like an American. So like each of the major like ally faction factions have like sent have contributed like a member to like this like elite like like kind of like early like special ops team and the premise is like early on you find out the premise is you're there to like i think at this point hitler's already dead and you're there to interrupt some plan called operation phoenix or something and that's like the kind of like the contingency plan for what happens to the what happens to uh nazi germany after hitler's gone which is ends up you end up finding is they just pretty much bring in a new person to take over for him kind of stuff and so, like, as your team, like, infiltrates, like, Germany to, like, find out more about, like, this project, the missions end up being, like, each character has, like, their background story of how they got, like, headhunted for this assignment. Mm-hmm. So, like, the American, so, like, the first one is, like, the platoon leader is, like, a British guy. And they kind of just talk, because he's black or whatever, like, they're, like, like okay, like, what makes you so special? Like, what were you picked for this assignment or whatever? And, like... You know, back then in the 1940s, like, people, like, worldwide, like, you know, they didn't look as at black people as favorably. And it's like, why are you, like, the leader? And so it's like, well, let me tell you my story. And then, like, it's, like, two missions of, like, of, like, what he had to do before, like, at the start of the war, which was him, like, on D, like, before D-Day started, he was, like, you know, disabling, like, the canyons off the, off the beach and stuff like that. And then it's, like, they turned to the Russian woman, like, like, what made you, like, why were you paid for this assignment? She's like... Well, and it, it gets like a flashback to like Stalingrad where like in the winter, like they're holding off the Germans in the city and stuff. So like each character serves as like a window into like that part of the war. Mm-hmm. Like for the Australian guy, you go to North Africa, like where all the tanks were with Rommel in them, like the 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 African section of World War Two. And anyway, so the idea is like you get into like a peak of each care of each soldier's life, like the. I think the American guy, he was present during the Battle of Norm, uh, not Normandy, uh, Midway, which was where the carriers are with the Japanese and stuff. So you get like these different like vignettes, kind of like small sample stories of like what's happening in the war and the many like in the European theater, the Pacific theater and like all over the kind of like the entire war. And then it gets back to like the main plot, which is you trying to hunt down like the the Germans in Germany, trying to figure out the Nazis, like where their Project Phoenix or whatever thing is like stored. So it's a really short campaign. The game looks beautiful. Um, the variety of weapons. Each character has like their own like special like ability, which is like nothing too like extraordinary, right? Because it has to be like ground. Like 
for example, one of the characters, like when he aims, like time kind of, he can like slow down time just a little bit. Another person, like the sniper chick, she has like um, she had she can tell like where enemies are, like she like they'll get like highlighted kind of. So because you know she's a trained sniper, so she can spot movement or whatever better. It's really it's it's, it's a really dope story. It's not the strongest like Call of Duty story. I think Modern Warfare has by far the best like campaign. But if you like. What it really did was it made me want to rewatch like World War II documentaries because whenever I like I was like when we see like the Russian front with like Stalin with like the Russians on during Operation Barbosa when the Nazis come for them like like oh yeah like I forgot Russia suffered like by far the biggest casualties of that war. Well, they had a, a treaty and then they got betrayed. Right? Yeah, they had the Ribbentrop. What was it called? It was named after the two guys Ribbentrop something Pact. Mm-hmm. And then the Germ- the Nazis violated it with Operation Barbarossa, and they like, you know, went straight for like Stalin. I think was like so shocked, like he didn't even give orders for like the entire first week. Like, like the Soviet Union was at a huge disadvantage. And then a little history lesson: they they come back with the the Germans make that fatal mistake of invading during winter. Their weapons get frozen, their tanks stall, and that gives enough time for the Soviet Union to come back with like fresh troops from the eastern part. And so. We're gonna get into that. This isn't a history podcast, but it just made me like, oh, like, oh, that's right. Like, I love like all this like history stuff. I'm like, oh, it makes me. I'm a, I really want to rewatch the uh, Netflix has this dope World War II in color documentary. Uh-huh. It's like four episodes, like about an hour and a half each, but it covers like the entire gamut of like the war. So I was like, after I finish this game, I'm gonna watch that again because it makes me it made me like realize how much I love like World War II history. So. And then the multiplayer is nothing special. It's just general Call of Duty multiplayer, very straightforward stuff, just with old guns. So, so yeah, Johnny, that's where I'm at right now. Those three games. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? I think we're kind of done. I want to read that that letter. Oh, right. Let me find my email. Um, go to Duo I forgot. I should have looked it up already. I don't know why I waited till this moment. I'm glad you reminded me. Mm-mm. All right, let me check the mail. Here we go. That was quicker than I thought it would be. Uh, let's see. I'm not going to read the email address. Uh, they didn't even leave a name. <laughs> the email just says, let me see right here. Uh, hey, are you guys still doing this podcast? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes, we are. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> I think it was because we didn't do anything for like that whole week last week. I don't know why I didn't ask you, but I was going to tell you, like, hey, just put like a five minute thing where you're like, hey, it's we're like in the middle of something. We can't, but we'll be back later. Oh, like while we weren't like last week. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, hey, are you guys still doing this podcast? Yes. Yes, we are. Should I, re- should I reply an email form or just say re- yes right here? He probably he's probably going to hear it. Or she. We don't know, actually. The email address is just like the name of like anime character. So, all right, go yeah, ahead, go ahead and reply. All right, let's see. Yes, we are on right now. Actually, <laughs> thanks, thanks for asking. Okay, and send. All right, so yeah, yeah, we are we are still doing this podcast. So it's like, you know they say like how absence makes the heart grow fonder. Uh, I get you now, yeah. Like people are like, hey, like we haven't heard from you. And it's like okay, 
But you didn't, you never messaged us before, just now when you were scared that we were gone for good. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, if you have any other questions, uh, whether they have obvious answers or not, comments, suggestions, you can reach us again at dealwithsensepodcast at yahoo.com. That again is dealwithsensepodcast at yahoo.com. All one word. One word. Actually, uh, a small little thing like if you go to the Twitter for DualSense, I'd like to know what's the, like the demographic. Like, what are the ages for you guys? That stuff actually shows up on. Does the, it? Yeah, it shows up on Anchor actually. Okay. I think the bulk of our listeners are between twenty-five and thirty-four. Yeah, because usually you tell me just like the locations of of where we get the listens. Yeah, you know what? I actually haven't checked that information since last week. Well, let's check it later. Uh, oh yeah, I'll look at it later. But anyways, so guys, if you are concerned if we're still around or if we just took the week off like unintentionally, uh, you can. Or you have any other questions or statements, you can reach us at dealwithsensepodcast at yahoo.com. Like this uh, lovely person who was so concerned that they decided to reach out to us to ask, like, hey, are you guys still around? <laughs> All right, Johnny. Any closing words before we decide to wrap it up? I'm good. You're always good, Johnny. All right, then that's it for us this week. So next week, because um, video game news has pretty much slows down to a trickle at this time of the year, Johnny, we're just gonna do our recap of the year, basically, just talk about what we what we played, what we enjoyed from the last year, what we didn't enjoy, and maybe if there's enough comments or questions, we'll talk about that. We should do a ASMR special. What's that? I know what that is, but I'm just saying, how would that work? Never mind. I'm just bullshitting. Oh, okay, I thought you were serious. All right, that's it. Then we are done. Thanks, guys, for listening another week, and we will catch you all next week. Oh, and if you want to tell us what was your favorite game from this year, I would appreciate that. So let us know. Goodbye.